0: Welcome to the Open Doors Initiative podcast. My name is Jan McDenna. We work with companies, NGOs and government to create employability for marginalised groups. These include people with disabilities, migrants and disadvantaged youth. You can visit us on opendoorsinitiative.ie. My guest on this podcast is Esther Lynch, Deputy General Secretary of the European Trade Union Confederation, which has over 50 million members all throughout Europe. Esther and I were talking about the future of work from a worker's point of view. There's been a lot of change in a very short period of time. Have you any thoughts on what the future of working is going to be and things like remote working and what impact this has for workers?
1: Well, it would have been an awful lot easier to answer that question uh, in January before we had the COVID crisis, because there's no doubt but there's no going back to business as normal at the end of this crisis. There were some major trends which were happening, um, such as the growing precariousness of work, you know, uh, A thinning out of the employment relationship where the commitment, the psychological contract between workers and between employers was becoming a lot thinner. And the growth of artificial intelligence, the real fears that workers had. In relation to what will my job be in the future, and um, if I even think of myself, um, women in my fifties, a qualification that nearly every single list of jobs that the artificial <laughs> intelligence is going to replace, I'm I'm always in the top ten, and I wonder if I was to lose my job, like how would I requalify myself, and how would I requalify myself? in the context of paying my rent, paying my mortgage, looking after my family, how would you manage to do that? So I think that even before the crisis, people were very fearful about the future. They were were fearful for themselves and they were fearful for their families entering the labour market. I think what the challenge is now for people like myself working in unions is for us to identify how do we bring better attention to the fact, that the people whose who society needs and relies on are often the lowest paid people and the people with the least secure contracts. When we bring that attention to light, it's not just to be called a hero. It's to be properly rewarded. It's to have your work valued. It's to have respect for the work and for your contribution
0: what 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 do you think in terms of other practices like remote working for example what what's your thoughts on that is that good or bad is it a good change is it a bad change
1: what well, this what this period in time this past month has proved is that every employer who who was saying well we can't really do remote working Uh, there's an awful lot of those employers have been proven wrong that that, um, teleworking is a viable way for people to work. I think that we shouldn't underestimate um, the need for a culture change within organisations to properly support teleworking and to properly support people who are on telework. But the idea that teleworking isn't possible, you know, is no longer credible for employers to put forward. What the teleworking that employers are involved in now demonstrates is that you don't need to be physically present in the workplace to make a huge and important contribution to the work. You don't even need to be physically present in the workplace to be part of a coffee break. The fact that the whole workforce is out on telework has forced a discussion among work colleagues about, well, how do we keep up the social part as well as the the work-related part? And I think that's that's been quite enlightening, both to me personally, but also to to people I'm working with, is just how much of the relationships that that need to exist within a, a workplace can actually be facilitated with some deliberate thinking in the future. It would be very hard for employers to say we can't deliver our objectives by means of telework. It's opened up a real um, opportunity for people who who have mobility difficulties. And what we have to do is to use that learning that we have now and to like bake into the future so that we focus on the merit um, and the ability of people to meet the organisation's objectives, rather than thinking first, well, they need to be able to show up in the workplace to be able to do that, because that's not the case.
0: How do you think workers, particularly marginalised workers, you mentioned about people with disabilities being, barriers being removed... How do you think people are adapting to these changes? Do you think it's a good thing that they're adapting fast or is it going to throw up further barriers we haven't thought about yet? I think I think because it
1: happened so fast um, and, and there was no choice. So we didn't all have time to have a lot of meetings to discuss, you know, how will we do this or how will we move to this change or how, if you like, we had to... You know, what the expressions somebody used to me was, we had to build the plane while we were flying it. Um, I think organisations that, that that acknowledged the times when the teleworking procedures that they had put in place weren't working, um, had made sure that there was a strong support for um, workers so that they had IT support, recognising that although some people would be very good at using some of the programmes, the whole you know the, the 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 teleworking tech piece to make sure that there was support available for people that organisations didn't take an approach of saying well you know you should know how to use this or you know but rather would say look we we know everybody probably knows how to use this but we're going to um run training programs we're going to make sure that, that everybody has the same skills and and abilities vis-a-vis all of the functions so that they can telework Um, But also that you're very clear about the permission to people recognising that that, that if your home is also your workplace, that there are consequences to that in the way in which you need to respond to events that are happening in your home. And that is particularly the case where people have children. And I think this is a real circumstance where when you have um, employers who who recognise that really what you're moving to is a management by objectives rather than a management by time. I know for some people on telework it is by time, but even then not being against flexibility just because it's hard to manage, but to actually see flexibility as something that you can turn to your advantage as, as an organization that you can actually uh, use that as a way to be strategically better, to be faster. And I think that this is just required of all managers to up their game in relation to how they're supporting their teams, really to think about how they're planning the work, to see that as um, something uh, that, with a team-based approach, a a collective collaborative approach within the team. And I think this has been a real opportunity for everybody who who believes in a more flexible, person-centered approach to work, to demonstrate that the organizations can still be successful with a telework culture.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to discuss um that we haven't covered off just in relation to the future of work
1: I think one of the one of the big challenges is going to be the interface between workers and machines I think that is something that we haven't spent enough time thinking about I think there could be a lot of positives to it whether it's being attached to a skeleton that will make lifting easier, that that, that will prevent a, a lot of disabilities, which will make work safer. That's the good side of it. I think the bad side of it, we were beginning to see an awful lot of before, before the COVID crisis, where so many workers were being monitored and rated by customers and angry customers. Were just rating people and then people were so fearful of the consequence of a bad rating and the employer would say, well if you get two more of them that's the end of you. I think that the emotional content of labour that's associated with getting a good rating. Um I think we need to think a lot more about about whether that's an acceptable approach. Personally, I don't think it is. Um, I like. I, I think that it's tough enough to do your job without being afraid of somebody doing a smiley face or, or an unsmiley face. And I think people were too quick to do unsmiley faces. Just being who you are as a person can get you an unhappy rating. And I think that one of the good things that the legacy that should come out of this moment is a realization that we need to recognize the the intrinsic value of the human being at work and because we've called on it so much in this moment we've, we've asked people to put themselves at risk we've asked people to to turn up at work to make sure that we've food to to be healthcare workers to drive the transport to keep everything going to keep society safe that can't be ignored in the future and treated as if it was nothing like, we have to think about the consequence of that in how we respect people, how we pay them properly, um, and how we make sure that every that everybody in the future when they go to work has a healthy and safe place of work and that they get the chance to be the person who they are at work, that they don't have to disguise who they are. They don't have to pretend that they're somebody that they're not. I think what it needs to be is a lot more about the type of companies I know you're working with who who are saying well we want to be we want to be a good citizen and we want to recognize merit we want to see the the work that people can do and and and, and reward that accordingly and we want to invest in people we're investing in people because we know that there's a payback for that investment and that really companies who are behaving like that we need to make sure they're getting access to public procurement contracts, that the state is paying money towards uh, ensuring those companies succeed and do well, and for, and for in particular, public procurement, which is trillions of euros um, every year, that that, that that money is being put to the purpose of rewarding, facilitating, and building companies that deal with unions that include workers from all categories and that hire and pay good wages. I'm, I'm optimistic that the legacy of the current crisis can be a good one. We can use it as a catalyst for positive change. And I think people are hungry for that and want that.
0: You can contact us at info at opendoorsinitiative.ie with any specific questions or comments. Please also check out our toolkit and the other podcasts in the series at our website, opendoorsinitiative.ie.